What's up, everyone? It is December 3rd, 2019. Welcome into this edition of Washington Football Crunch. I am Micah Chen of Cascadia Preps, and I'm joined by Luke Monger of Dogman. Unfortunately, Jackson Gardner won't be able to make it. Uh, he had some technical difficulties with his mic. But making his debut on the show is a rising star in Seattle sports media. He is the latest intern for Dogman.com, Jack McCauley. Now, Jack, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, yeah, Micah. Thanks for having me on. Um, so I got to eat up last year. I'm currently a sophomore. Uh, moved into a house where Luke actually used to live, uh, and he lived in kind of like a live-out house-ish. And Luke and I just met through, you know, mutual connections, started talking. It led to kind of like this off-again, off on-again uh, podcast we had going on, just kind of whenever we wanted to sit down and talk. Uh, we just put it through a podcast, and that got going, which ultimately led to me uh, taking over Luke's job as uh, the Dogman intern for Dogman.com. So here we are today. You seem like a natural fit right now, and I've seen your work online. I think it's great, and we're glad to have you on to discuss this game-changing moment in time. Now, Jack, you've been very involved covering the team uh, for this past year, uh, but did you see any sign or did you hear anything that this departure, Chris Peterson's departure, could be a possibility? Well, I think most of us can uh, can agree on that. We knew Chris Peterson wasn't going to stay around uh, forever. You know, he wasn't going to be this coach who got to this program and just stayed as long as he wanted to, kind of died on the football field, as you might say. Um, and I certainly didn't see it coming today. I certainly didn't see it coming this year. I was thinking the next four to six years-ish, uh, Peterson would step down just because that's, you know, that he's just a guy who just makes different moves. And especially with the, uh, I guess, the change in the college football scene uh, is is ultimately really what you could say what moved his, it was what moved it to his retirement and, uh, and for him to recharge. Retirement. But retirement. <laughs> I, I think it could be a retirement. You know, I just don't think he likes the way that that college football is changing with coaching, the, right? Yeah. Like coaching, he's not right? just going go to go retirement from head coaching. No, no, but like, I mean, retire. Yeah. Retirement from a, you know, national power head coaching job. I mean, and we've seen it from a couple other coaches, you know, urban Meyer, I guess was another someone else who retired, I guess, pretty early, just kind of a different, just kind of a different bird. It's, it's really what coach Pete is, but no, um, I haven't seen anything that really pointed out this year that really indicated, um, his exit, you know, the season has been, I guess, different compared to others, but I didn't think it was something that led to a, to a, you know, just a, just a total step down. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I, to kind of echo what you're talking about, Jack, I do think this is a permanent retirement for Ghost, or for Chris Peterson personally. Um, like, and you're talking head coaching still, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I think, like you said, I mean, obviously the college football scene is changing a lot. And then if you just look at the trajectory of his career, he was the winningest uh, college football coach in like the winning or the winningest FBS football coach during his tenure at Boise State. Eight seasons there, uh, if I remember correctly, USC came knocking twice when he was at Boise State. The SEC came knocking, and he didn't want to leave. Right, he ended up leaving for Washington. Um, from stories that I've heard was almost as much him reaching out to Washington as it was Washington reaching out to him. I think he was excited for an opportunity to challenge himself and take a, a program in the, an area of the country that he feels comfortable with, like Washington, back to prominence. Um, 
I think it was as close to as comfortable as he could have felt at like, I guess I, I like to consider Washington a blue blood, but you know what I mean, right? At like a big <laughs> power five program. Uh, but I think he got to that stage. Expectations and stuff are obviously very high and not to say that he's not competitive or that he can't handle high expectations. But I do think that it got to a certain point where he was like, I feel comfortable with the work that I've done. This is an incredibly stressful job. Uh, I'm a man in my fifties with a family and the opportunity cost of continuing along in, in this position rather than uh, just kind of riding off into the sunset uh, isn't worth it for me anymore. There was a uh, documentary. It was kind of a documentary. It was called like Coach Peterson, Dan the Life. And, you know, he's riding his boat to work and he's got a shower in his uh, office and um, he's just having fun the entire day. And it really made his life look glamorous. You know, he was talking about how I want to be a DJ when I'm done being a coach. And uh, you guys remember that, right? This past summer. Of course. Of course. course. I want to put together that fun video. And how can you not forget that? (laughs) Yeah, it's got almost 100,000 views now. But it obviously doesn't do justice for how brutal, like, just how stressful it is, you know, to be a head coach. I mean, even, like, throughout the season, you could tell in his press conferences and the way he carried himself on the sideline, he was looking pretty worn out at times. And I know that you guys haven't been head coaches before, but can you, like, put in context just how demanding this job is? It seems like, you know, every hour of the day, year-round, you're thinking about football. You really are, which is the which is the weird thing because – you know, if you're not doing football, you know, for example, we have two bye weeks. The Huskies had two bye weeks this year. During those two bye weeks, Peterson's out in Texas, California, on the recruiting trail, talking to different kids. You know, your entire day is football and developing kids, and you don't have much time for family or anything else like that. And some people love to live the dream and have that every day, but Peterson, you know, you could tell after you know those post game press conferences, win or lose, you kind of have this. Not necessarily sour look, but just kind of worn out, just tired, been doing it for a long time. Um, And at some point, you just need a change. And just the heavy practice schedule, heavy recruiting schedule, all that really can hit someone really hard, especially, especially, and like Luke said, you know, Washington could be considered a blue blood uh, or, you know, a perennial program, especially out west in the Pac 12, where the whole, you know, the whole city, you're a spot, you know, the whole city's shining a spotlight on you and it's really hard to escape that spotlight. And I think that's what really ultimately wore him down because, you know, he didn't have that at Boise State. And I think he just lost the love for the game. Yeah, for, for me, I think Chris Peterson, I think the part of coaching college football that he loved was the development of players and the development of people. Um. Right, but like like everyone has said a hundred times, I think everyone knew that he wasn't going to coach into his seventies. I think the timing was surprising, obviously, but um, yeah, it's just interesting. Well, right now this team is seven and five, and if the outlook of the season was more along the lines of eleven and one, getting a chance to play in a college football playoffs, do you think that it's it still happens this abruptly? I mean, you don't want to say it, it comes down just to one like tough season, but maybe that maybe that is what kind of sped up the process a little bit like do you think we'd be sitting here in the same position if they were 11 and 1 I think it would be like naive to say that he wouldn't feel differently right now if we had won four more games and you know what I mean yeah he might stay Um, around for another year or two yeah that said I think and I know that we're going to address some of these later but I think there are clues that this was coming sooner than later um like maybe if the Huskies were 11 and 1 
perhaps he would have waited until after the the conference championship and perhaps either the really? Rose Bowl. You still think it would have been that soon? But I do think I do think it was coming very soon. Wow. Now in uh, hindsight, I think I think I hindsight. agree with you, Luke. You know there are clues kind of along the way, and just the way he kind of spoke, but. It's, it, it is hard to just say, like, oh, if we were 11-1, and one, would he step down? And, you know, I think this season ultimately is a result of just how tired he is. It's, it's not really necessarily the Huskies just playing poorly. It's just him not necessarily—I wouldn't say caring as much, but just lost love, lost the passion. So, Luke, did you see this coming? Because a lot of people are coming forward saying that, oh, yeah, this was inevitable. You know, we, we, the writing was on the wall. Like, do you really believe that? Like, like what, what, what led you to feel that this could have happened uh, this often? No, I didn't think it would happen this year. I, I thought it was a couple people, years do, down so the road. The people that are coming out and saying no, that? No, I, like, I'd be lying if I said, yeah, like, I knew he'd be done after <laughs> 2019. Um, however, I... Um, like I yeah so to answer your question I didn't think it would come this soon I th- I thought it was more in like the three to five year timeline kind of like Jack said, um, uh, yeah so so to be I guess candid I did not see it coming this fast I just remember being at work and looking down at my phone and like literally like waiting to wake up from a dream I was like this cannot be real at first was my initial reaction but then you step back a little bit you you think about some of the things that have happened over the last couple of years and other hints that might have been that this was coming and you realize, okay. So we got the press statement. It says that he's going to transfer into a leadership advisory role, uh, something with the athletic department. Mm-hmm. But he says that he needs to recharge, which, I mean, please do. Like, take as much time as you For need. For sure. And, but others feel that he's going to stick around the, you know, the football building and kind of, you know, kind of, this 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 whisper in people's ears, you know. Give them give them some advice, you know. Uh, kind of, but, but yeah. at the same time, not having that day to day. Like you wake up and it's life or death when it comes to keeping this program afloat, and, uh, and it, he's not going to do that anymore. So, what role do you think he's going to be in now? And what role would you like to see him in? I guess the role you'd like to see him is whatever he wants to do, but <laughs> for sure, yeah. So I I think it'll be very much like a consulting role where he is not putting in forty hours a week. At all, right? And obviously, he was putting in a hundred hours a week as a head coach plus, right? Yeah. But like, this will not be something that is taking a bunch of his time. I don't think he'll be at every practice uh, or every meeting, team meeting, all that sort of stuff. Um, one quick comparison that comes to mind is Jeff Tedford's role with UW. I'm curious to know if there's any way they can put him in a role that's more player facing than that, because I know Jeff Tedford wasn't really allowed much interaction with players. And I think Chris Peterson ideally would like that, which is maybe I, I'm curious if that's why it's like a like an athletic administration leadership rather than like a football consultant. You know what I mean? Um, like I'm wondering if there's a way that they can title him as part of the athletic administration that he's able to kind of interact with players. Um, but like you said, Micah, I think that he'll be a resource for Jimmy Lake and his coaching staff to come to uh, Chris Peterson w- with questions, uh, like opportunities to seek advice. I think he'll be able to give his two cents when he sees something, uh, that he thinks, I guess, I guess an opportunity for him to provide direction, but I think it'll be pretty hands off. Um, I think it's kind of like, obviously it's not like they're not doing him a favor by giving him this position, but I think it's kind of more of a feel good position than it is something that he'll have obligations on a weekly basis. If that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I kind of going off Luke's point. Um, 
I th- I do think it's going to be more. I I see him more as a leadership consultant to uh, Jimmy Lake with some hands off, like just like a Jeff Tedford role, um, maybe without as much um, without as much uh, guidance to the kids, to the players on the team. Even though I think that's what he would prefer, because you know his whole. His whole thing is this built for life OKG philosophy where he can bring in kids and then prepare them for life. And I think that's what he wants to do, but I ultimately think it's going to be him for the first couple of years helping Jimmy Lake kind of, uh, you know, develop his roots in this system um, and then, you know, plant that seed as a head coach so where he can help him blossom and build a big career here at Washington as opposed to this, uh, to this role I guess most people would see as, a you know, helping kids build them for life, you know, hands-on and practices, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's uh, not a bad transition. Still collecting a paycheck, still not a bad life. So, And uh, so with Jimmy Lake in charge now, I mean, between, you know, he didn't, he could have left for some great offers these last couple of years. Yeah. And be- between the time, you know, is, I mean, this, ha- this seems like, like Jimmy Lake didn't come out and say, wow, I really lucked into this. Who would have thought this was going to happen? I uh, see, you know, this transition was very smooth. And and that's the way like when Jimmy Lake talks about you know getting this opportunity he he really he really sounds like he's ready for this moment. So this Certainly. must have been something that he's known for a long time, right? I mean, obviously there's only a few people in on it, but Jimmy Lake must have been aware that th- my time's coming and I got to be ready for it. And nobody else knows this, you know, but me and Coach Peterson. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And when I when I ha- had been alluding earlier to the fact that there were some clues to indicate that this might be coming soon, I think the the ability to keep Jimmy Lake on staff for this long with how successful he's been is the clue, right? That this was going to come sooner than later. I think that he's a guy that had like if you just like I don't know, you see his personality in interviews uh, and stuff like that, and you know that he has kind of I guess the, the juice to be a head coach, presence, like, and that's his aspiration yeah. as well. Right. Uh, so it's like, how are they able to keep him, uh, from other opportunities? And I know a lot of these opportunities, like Alabama wanted him to be a defensive coordinator, which wouldn't a lateral move. He might've been paid more, but I think at the end of the day, it was going to come down to what will get me to be a head coach for a good program fastest. And I think he knew that his day was going to come sooner than anyone else had really anticipated. I think so too. Um, I, I mean, there's not a lot of people as well that turn down an Alabama defensive coordinator job because most of those people who accept those offers end up transferring to a big time head coaching job the next year. You know, look at you look at Kirby Smart, um, uh, Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee. You know, all mm-hmm. the all those people have transferred onto big time programs. So Jimmy Lake had to have known that he was gonna eventually take over this program sooner rather than later because if it was later you would have seen one of those moves to a to a you know Alabama defensive coordinator job or even something people were hinting at him maybe taking a Rutgers job this year um and so you knew that something had to have been in the books but you just don't really pick on you just don't really pick up to it because you're thinking Chris Peterson's going to be here for a while why would he leave you know he's done such great things at Washington but here it is. We're sitting here today, and Jimmy Lake's the head coach. And it does feel very natural. I mean, just during the Apple Cup this past week, I mean, I mean, Chris Peterson was head coach at UW, but it really felt like this is Jimmy Lake versus Mike Leach, and that was kind of how the 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 game was being hyped up as you know Jimmy Lake's defense versus Mike Leach's offense. But it shows you that Jimmy Lake he can be in charge of a team and and uh, and t- and take them in the right direction to win. So 
And he's going to have to make changes to make kind of make this his program now, you know? Like he's he's, he's got the opportunity now to change up the coaching staff, uh, especially on the on the offensive side of the ball. You know, like it's not really not really what he's known for, but it, I mean his biggest one of his biggest responsibilities is going to have to be jump-starting his offense and taking them to a new level. Mm-hmm. So, do do you buy into these rumors that there's going to be a new offensive coordinator? Like is that something you would like to see happen with uh, Bush Hamden right now there? Luke, I'm interested on what you think here because for me, yeah, for me, I feel like I just don't see a marriage between Bush Hamden and Jimmy Lake. You know, you mentioned yeah. Jimmy Lake is all about juice. Jimmy Lake is all about you know explosion. You look at his defensive secondary and just kind of what that energy they play with. Bush Hamden's more of the Chris Peterson, calm, cool, collected. I don't see. I, I just see. Maybe Bush Hamden getting show just sure, someone sure. Show, just Lake showing him the door and bringing in someone who's a little more explosive. Um, I I don't know who Jim I don't know any of any candidates right now, but not necessarily Lane Kiffin, but someone who runs a similar offense to him, doing multiple yeah. things, just getting in the end zone quick, so where the defense can make just can make a quick stand, get the offense the ball right back again, like fast tempoed, yeah. fast paced offense. I think that's I what Jimmy Lake wants. Yeah, and I don't know exactly what it is, but I I agree that I don't feel like there's a long-term relationship between Jimmy Lake and Bush Hamden. And that's not to say, like, I'm sure that they get along fine and are friends and all that sort of stuff. But I think that Jimmy Lake stepping in too. So here's my take on it. Basically, Jimmy Lake has been the defensive coordinator for a couple of years now, right? If he were to step in to the head coaching role and not make a change on the offensive side of the ball, then what is he more than the defensive coordinator that's getting paid? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Right. Like he, he needs to go in and he needs to change something up. Um, and yeah, I mean, like you said, I think that, uh, he'll be looking for someone that can kind of bring a, a similar energy. I think, I mean, obviously the Husky defense has been called death row over the years. And while this was a step down, uh, their defense is young and towards the end of the year started to show improvements and I, I think it'll be a young, intimidating group again, and I think he'll look uh, to bring that kind of energy on the other side of the ball. I want to throw out a couple candidates just because one guy that comes to mind, Zach Hill at Boise State, obviously a slam dunk comparison, right? Like Boise State, University of Washington, maybe a little too easy, right? But Zach Hill also has Eastern Washington in his background. Jimmy Lake was a player and coach at Eastern Washington. They never overlapped. But he's a guy right now who has led the Broncos to a few very successful offensive seasons in a row and is currently only making $300,000 a year. This could be a good opportunity for him to do it on the at the show. You know what I mean? Like on the big stage. Um, another guy that comes to mind for me, this one, not necessarily young and exciting, but he's he's a guy who has experience leading one of the most explosive offenses in the country. He's in the NFL right now as an offensive coordinator, but I think that his job might be coming to an end soon. Uh, does it Jack does, is there a name that comes to mind? Oh. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. I can't think of any offensive. Mark, Mark Helfrich. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think Mark Helfrich could be. A I candidate. didn't think about that. I wasn't. Th- I was. I was kind of blanking out. I didn't even think about that one. Yeah, I think Mark Helfrich with the Bears. Obviously, that Bears offense has not been good. Um, I think that's another possible candidate. But like you said, I think Jimmy Lake is going to make a change, uh, to to make, like you know, to make it Jimmy Lake's team. You know what I mean? Like he's got to make a change on the offensive side of the ball. I think to really, 
assume kind of the, the head coach role. Well, um, anytime you bring in a new head coach, all the players like they, they instinctively they want to elevate their game. They want to play for their new coach because they they want they because they it's it's really easy for them to buy into like w- w- like whatever the the new head coach is is yeah especially somebody like Jimmy Lake who who he already trusts and and uh, and ha- has a good reputation a great reputation there. I mean that's got to inject new life into the program. That's got to make them believe that hey, like next season we already know we're going to be better than this season. Like th- like and so he's inheriting a really great situation, and and that that's just kind of like almost kind of it's a new chapter, but it's also a cha- a new a step in the right direction. It continues that way. Yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, my, my, so. My grandpa, I think I've mentioned, went to the University of Oregon. I've mentioned it a couple times on the show, uh, but for that reason, I I know a lot of Oregon football lore. Uh, you know. And I think of Mike Pilotti stepping down for Chip Kelly, right? I mean, obviously, big comparison there. But obviously, I think it's possible for excellent coaches to step down and provide opportunities for the program to continue to evolve. That's not to say that I think that it's like an upgrade to go from Jimmy Lake to Chris Peterson. But I think that his era, uh, like he served his time and got the University of Washington to a great place. Um, however, I think it's time for him, uh, I, I guess to move on and, and let this program to continue to grow. Jimmy Lake will be exciting, I think as a head coach. And then the other thing I, I guess I want to mention kind of on the offensive side of things is Chris Peterson always regarded as an offensive coach, I think had his hand in the offense for the past couple of years. And that's another reason that I think Jimmy Lake's going to move or make a move on the offensive side of the ball. But Jack, I'm kind of curious to hear what your perspective is on terms of, uh, I guess the energy around the program now with uh with with jimmy at the helm you know immediately kind of when you think out like when you just realize that you know coach peterson one of the great coaches i guess university the university of washington has seen is gone you know you your heart kind of sinks down and you're you're wondering what the state of the program you know where they're going to be at but when you hear a guy like jimmy lake who's been in the system for a while who who has really dominated uh really dominated at the role he's been at is going to take over the energy starts to pick up and you start to think of you know what this program can be if this uh if this energy's you know fulfilled injected into the entire program because this year you know i think everybody has kind of noticed that the energy hasn't been the same uh you haven't you know you haven't they haven't shown up against teams like cal colorado uh stanford lower level teams without as much talent so I think the energy is going to be risen, and I think it's going to be taken up a notch. But I think that if Bush Hamden is shown the door, I think it's taken up another notch because if you keep guys, <laughs> or, I do. I, if you think if you keep guys around like Hamden, it's just the same program really, where the offense is kind of still, um, it's 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 more horizontal, not as not as vertical. And I think you do need to bring in more names, and I think it's still. I think the time will tell once this recruiting class is signed and once it's fulfilled, if you lose anybody, if you gain any big names um, and, and what they're really going to do there. I think then that's going to be kind of their this, – this recruiting class is really their calling card to show how much energy they're going to bring to the table. Well, absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, it's a very natural transition and a great, a great sign is what you're saying. If, if, uh, if the recruiting class is still on board uh, – and that kind of shows you that all hell hasn't broken loose. You know, they're not jumping ship. Uh, and I think there yeah. is a benefit to this very drama-free, very professional, um, giving the kids a chance to evaluate their situation. 
and also with it being in house, like this transition is it is as good as it could possibly be mm-hmm. if you're if you're a potential commi- uh, commit. And and some of them like Sam Heward, they weren't going anywhere. You know, <laughs> they, they're no, this is their home. You I know, could coach the Huskies and Sam Heward would come yeah. play for this. <laughs> and no defensive commit will go anywhere either because the guy that's recruiting them is being bumped yeah. up. I also think for the most part, Coach Peterson was a great delegator when it came to recruiting. So, like for example, if you take a guy on the offensive side of the ball, like Mark Redmond. I think, or Mark Redman, I think his primary relationship was with Jordan Pow Pow, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and then Chris Peterson, you know what I mean? Exactly. So I, I think for that reason, there's not a lot of, there's not enough change there to, to, uh, I, I guess make a difference. The one that'll be interesting is Ethan Garbers, because I think he was probably closest with, uh, Bush Hamden and Chris Peterson. And if there is a change with Hamden, I agree. Then, and it's, you know, the, you look at Garbers, he's just that t- prototypical uh, Peterson quarterback with like Kellen Moore, Jake Browning. So it's not his yeah. system anymore. It just kind of depends on what Jimmy Lake wants to do and yeah. what Garbers will end up doing. And I think it could be interesting to see what he does. Um, I, for some reason, I have a gut call that he could be following his brother to Cal. In- yeah, interesting. Very well could be the case. I think it's also weird with... Guys, I the only defensive position I could see making a change is linebacker with Bob Gregory. You know, he's been rumored to have his head on the chopping block now. So I wonder what they're going to do there. And if any linebacker commits will end up shifting their position or, uh, or, or, you know, maybe, maybe even have an offer revoked. You don't know. All right, well, let's get ready to start wrapping it up. Uh, we want to let you know that this is a year round college football podcast because honestly, the offseason, and it's not the offseason now, but stuff like this can be just as entertaining as some regular season game against Colorado or Cal or something like that. So, yeah, we're going to be talking football all offseason, and uh, we're also pretty consistent on you know posting our thoughts and posting our articles on the local football scene uh, via yeah. Twitter. So give us a follow there, at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke Monger, and also at Jackson M. Garner, but he's not here right now, but definitely follow him for uh, updates on the WSU scene. And then uh, at Jack McCauley underscore Jack, uh, what do you got coming up? Oh, we got a ba- we got you know basketball game tonight. Um, be covering that, and then also basketball game Thursday. So, you know, I'm tra- I, I'm a big basketball guy, so I've been transitioning a little bit. <laughs> I've been making the balance, making the balance of football and basketball, but. Uh, it's the toughest time of the year. It is the toughest time. You got a lot on your plate. You got a lot. Hey, you got a lot on your plate. Jack, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Jack. Awesome. Well, if you have any questions or thoughts, our very public, very open email is micachan at yahoo.com. Send them them over there. And for myself, Luke and Jack, we are signing off. Thanks.